course, is because of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, from the dead. Nobody else has done it. Other people have been raised from the dead, but nobody's raised themselves. It's the most important event in all of history. It affects everything, past, present, and future. Your past, your present right now, your future, and everybody else's in all of history, and everyone who's going to come, this single event, what God did to come into time and space and invade with His love and His power and His grace is unprecedented. Uh, To paraphrase C.S. Lewis, because I don't think too many messages would be um, legit without a quote from C.S. Lewis, but he says, it's what the whole story, meaning the Bible, it's what the whole story is all about. Everything points to Jesus. If you look closely enough, everything points to Jesus. Everything. This is why all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they reach their climax with the empty tomb. It all comes down to that. Listen to this. He is not here, for He has risen, as He said. Matthew 28, 6 and Mark 16, 6. And it says here, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Remember how He told you that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And then again, go to my brethren and say to them, this is Jesus, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. Okay, they became part of the family. And to my God and your God. So far too often though, we approach this whole season or uh, these different moments as something that is really just directed at us. It's our own personal salvation or it's our own personal forgiveness. we got to remember this thing is cosmic in scope. That, that Jesus, God loved the world so much. That's the cosmos. That's not just you know, this terra firma that we're on right here. But it's everything. He died for all of creation. That it could be restored back to Him and we get to be a part of that. Some of you are catching that. That's good. All right. All right. (laughs) So those things are true in terms of our own personal forgiveness and freedom and all that. But it's it's huge. It's huge. And so I want to look here at a few things. Uh, Some of the events leading up to the crucifixion. Last week we dealt with the triumphal entry, which preceded uh, the things that we're going to talk about today. And so uh, we're just moving right along here through the Gospels. And uh, maybe some of you have been doing this, maybe in your own Bible study this week, and uh, getting into these, so some of these will be familiar to you. Some of these will probably be brand new to some, which would be a great thing too. The Passover meal. The Passover meal, which we partake of right up here with the wine and the, uh, and the bread or the cracker, and we receive that. That's communion. That represents the blood of Jesus, the body of Jesus broken and shed for us. And when Jesus and His disciples, when they celebrated this meal, they were celebrating why? What happened in Exodus? Somebody help me out. 
Okay, Passover. What, what, give me a little description, though. Okay, so that the oldest sons wouldn't die. Okay, this is God's going head to head with Pharaoh in Egypt, and he is he is uh, um, bringing freedom and deliverance to his people. And so the final plague was that the sons, the firstborn sons, were going to be killed. How were they going to avoid being killed? So God gave the secret secret code to the uh, to his people. What did he say to them? Okay, do a little painting on the doorpost, right? What do we say? Everything points to Jesus, doesn't it? Because if he's, of course, the Passover land. And so what they did, he, they all, the Egyptians, or excuse me, all the Hebrews, they took a lamb, a perfect lamb, and they sacrificed it. And they took its blood, and they put it over the doorposts. And they also put it over the lentils, okay, on the sides. And then what they do with the bucket? They put it down at the feet. So what do we see here? A picture of the head, the crown of thorns that would be on Jesus' head. We see His hands that were pierced. And we see His feet that were pierced with the representation of the bucket or the bowl at the bottom. Everything points to Jesus. Everything. Jesus says to His disciples, this receiving of the Passover symbolizing Christ's shed blood and broken body is a picture of Jesus reversing the curse that resulted from Adam and Eve's sin in the Garden of Eden. So Jesus here is at the Last Supper. He's celebrating Passover with His disciples and He tells them to do what? He says, I want you to take the bread. I want you to take the cup. What happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve? Satan said something to them. The serpent came to Eve and he said what? Take the fruit and eat it. And so in Jesus, what he's doing here is he's reversing what the first Adam did. So as the Scriptures call Jesus and refer to him as the second Adam, he's coming and he's saying, now, take of my life. Take of my body, take of my blood, and receive this. This is going to reverse the curse that came in through the first Adam. Everything points to Jesus. Man, I love that. Mm. This is my body broken for you. Jesus' sacrifice heals Adam. Literally. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross would go back in time and heal the sin of the first Adam. He was sick with sin and would restore Adam back to the original intent and purpose of God. That he would be in a garden without sin. Again united with the tree of life that would have held him there in the first place had he obeyed. But he was incapable of obeying. He wasn't perfect. I love what Henry Holly says about this. He says, The human race started in a garden. Jesus suffered His agony in a garden. He was crucified in a garden, buried in a garden, and paradise will be a garden. Come in full circle. Let's go to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Here we pick up 
Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is right near the Mount of Olives. Then accompanied, verse 39, then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. Gethsemane is... uh, Here we have this this place of the wine press, or the olive press, excuse me, where the the olives were brought from the Mount of Olives into Gethsemane and were crushed there. And of course, we understand the story of Jesus. He's going to be praying. He's going to be in such uh, anguish that it says that He sweat as if drops of blood. You see the pressure of understanding that the sin of the world is going to be placed upon His shoulders. Here it is, verse 40, Then He told them, Pray that you will not be overcome by temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if You're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from Me. Yet, I want Your will, not Mine. Not My will be done, but Your will be done. Jesus, just as He reversed the curse brought on by Adam by directing the disciples to take and eat of His body and blood, the tree of life, then Jesus said, not My will, but Yours be done. He said this word against Adam, who resisted the will of God and followed the will of His enemy. But now Jesus would now follow the will of God regardless of what He felt like in His humanness. So He's completely human and yet completely God. And He would again, He would reverse that curse where Adam said no and He followed the enemy of God and brought all of us, all of mankind, into sin. Now He would reverse that and we now get to follow Jesus into the will of God. Into restoration. So, so amazing what Jesus has done. Why don't you turn with me to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Get a little bit different perspective from Him. Verse 28. And Jesus knew that not everything... Here we're looking... We were just looking at the Garden of Gethsemane. And now we're looking at the cross. Jesus knew, verse 28, that everything was now finished, was now finished, and to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, and they soaked a sponge and they put it on a hyssop branch and held it to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. And then he bowed and he gave up his spirit. He gave it up. No one took it from him. He gave up His Spirit. The Jewish leaders didn't want the victims hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath at that because it was the Passover. So they asked Pilate, which is where they get the word Pilates, to hasten their deaths. Don't you see that? Every time I look at that, I'm like, Pilates? No, Pilate. Um, So they asked Pilate, 
to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken and then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. Jesus had two criminals that were hanging on either side of Him. And when they came to Jesus, they saw that He was already dead, so they didn't break His legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced His side with a spear and blood and water flowed out. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus, verse 38, because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take Jesus' body down. And when Pilate gave him permission, he took, came and took the body away. And Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night, also came bringing about 75 pounds of embalming ointment. And verse 41, and the place of the crucifixion was near a garden. Jesus would reverse the curse placed on mankind in the Garden of Eden as they ate from the forbidden tree. Jesus now hung on a tree forever becoming the tree of life to everyone who would in faith, who would eat of the spiritual life of Jesus. Anyone who receives Him as Lord receives the power to live forever with Him. Now this is amazing timing. Just as we were reading here, as Jesus' death is is coming close, at the same time that Jesus is passing, all of the Israelites, are, are all the Jews, are celebrating Passover and what is happening with them. They are at that very time when He is dying. They are sacrificing their lambs to place over the doorposts and to celebrate the Passover that they were commanded to celebrate from Exodus. So here He is taking that place. He is becoming the tree of life that everyone now can eat of again. He is our tree of life. He is the slain Lamb who died to take away the sins of the world. It's amazing looking at these these different places here, the different people that were... uh, transformed as a result of Jesus' death. Let's go back to uh, Luke chapter 23. This is really amazing just to see these different people uh, that are totally transformed. Verse 26 you, you have here, as they led Jesus away, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country just then, was forced to follow Jesus and carry his cross. Wow. You'd think that maybe they'd have a Jew doing this. But here they have a Gentile who is going to, to carry the cross. He's op- Jesus, knowing full well this is going to happen, He's opening up the door to the Gentiles. Salvation was limited only to the Jews at the time because of their birth, being part of the Jewish nation. But now Jesus is showing a little preview into the lives of others like you and me who are now going to be able to become part of the family of God. Verse 32. Two others, both criminals, 
were led out to be executed with him. And finally, they came to a place called the Skull. All three were crucified there. Jesus in the center cross and the two criminals on either side. Jesus said, Father, forgive these people for they don't know what they are doing. Verse 39, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal, he protested. Don't you fear God even when you are dying? We deserve to die for our evil deeds. But this man, he hasn't done anything wrong. And then Jesus, and then he said, Jesus, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today that you will be with me in paradise. And then a captain, verse 47, and then a captain of the Roman soldiers handling the execution saw what had happened and he praised God and he said, surely this man is innocent. Wow. So you have a criminal who was hanging next to Jesus, completely transformed. You have a Roman officer who would praise God. This man was an enemy of the Jews. He was an enemy of Jesus. And we see Jesus as He's been talking to His disciples to love your enemies. 